Are we ready? Oh, we're ready. Okay, this is Father Herb, and I have a question for Michael Puppos, who's sitting across the table from me. Hello. Hello, everybody. Uh, you can listen in on this, and I'm going to ask a question. Okay. Um, the little gauge on my car last night said air pressure low. Yeah. So I checked today. I went to the tire person. Cold weather does that. Cold weather does that. Yep. And so... They checked to make sure, I said, well, just check, make sure there's no leakage. So all four tires had to be filled up a little bit more, Yeah. but nothing is leaking. Sure. Okay. And the reason for that is we know it's cold, the air condenses, Yeah. and so the pressure goes down. Did I, okay. Okay. Here's my question. Yeah. When it warms up again, do you have to take some air back out? We should monitor our, monitor our tire pressure in the spring. I bet they, they might be a little... More I, full? I don't know. <laughs> you, you don't have to take it out. No, I don't think you have to take it out, but it might be. It's winter, winter air, and, and you know, if you have winter air, air in your tire yeah. in the summer, you would think it would start expanding again. But it just remains the same. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but I so know. So we you, don't even have an answer to the question. No, but I, I believe there's somebody out there in the world, and I just know you don't have to do anything about it. However... I don't understand the physics of it. Okay. So I am saying, please help us. Okay. This is a simple Google. Here we go. Air temperature. Just as cold outside air causes the air inside your tires to contract in winter. Yes. Warm outside air causes the air inside your tires to expand. Well, that's what I was saying. So why don't you have to take some out or it's going to be too much air? Well, because your, your tires can, I mean, they can withhold more pressure. You're not filling it. It's not like a balloon. You're not filling <laughs> it to its max potential. But if if it reads uh, 32 pounds right now, yeah, come April, is it going to say 35 pounds? It could. Well, let's look. Well, I want some expert. You, you Google Google let me down. That was this, that was not a good answer. Welcome to the car podcast <laughs> with your mechanics. Car, car, car talk. Car, car talk. Car, Part two. We're not that cool. Okay. No, they were good. I still listen to them. You know, they're on public radio. Yeah. Are they it's, still on or is it repeats? Oh, of course it repeats. The one man died. I knew that, but I didn't know if they... They're, they're repeats from... I plan to from, replace you. ...from the archives. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> or you might replace You just me. can't wait. Okay. Uh, speaking of cold air... <laughs> well, it's better than being full of hot air. <laughs> yeah. Uh, church was nice and toasty and warm Sunday. It was quite warm actually it was really quite nice when people came in out of the cold it was so miserable we're just wimps because we've had a mild winter I actually i'm enjoying this weather it's i what did i tell you earlier last week i said i have no idea what you told me early last week you don't remember you're anything. assuming i listen i said I, I would love some snow on the ground that just sticks around for a while because i'd rather look at beautiful white snow than brown yeah yesterday i had a burial um after the funeral we went into michigan up by um St. St. Anthony Parish. Uh, temperance. Temperance. And the cemeteries out in the country. Yeah. And there was quite a bit of snow still on the ground. A I lot, more, Michigan than, lot got, more than here. Yeah, Michigan got more than we did. Okay. This is but, great weather, though. I love okay. this. Okay. Anyway, with great weather, we are ready to talk about the gospel, which has nothing to do with great weather, but I know you're in a good mood. Your segues lack. I'm not okay. <laughs> here, here, let me try again. The sun is shining yes. right now. Yeah. It's bright outside. It is. And the gospel is all about... Going from darkness to light. The, the, I was actually from a, from gloom, gloom, I which see, we've had I for see. about thirty days this in a row. This is a much better segue. Okay, I've been working at it. This I was thinking actually is like a great weekend for you. You like all of these readings. The first reading, one of your favorites. 
the psalm, one of your favorites. I don't know about this per- part of Corinthians. I, li- I, I like all the first Corinthians. So this is where he's telling them, guys, shape up. You guys are a mess. <laughs> That's the paraphrase. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got this iconic scene in Matthew. So I think we need to hit all of them. Okay, we're going to read the gospel in two parts. I will read the first part, and then I'll let um, Michael read the iconic scene walking along the sea. Okay. So it's really two parts put together. They're all from the same chapter, chapter four. Remember Matthew's gospel. Okay. Chapter one and chapter two are the infancy narrative. Chapter three is the baptism in in the river and Jesus out in the desert. And we'll read about the desert uh, when he's tempted. We're going to read that at the beginning of Lent. Just a few weeks away. Yep. And so now we're into chapter four. All right. Are you ready? You said you're starting. I am. Are you ready to listen? (laughs) Okay. When Jesus heard that John, that's John the Baptist, had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light on those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death. Light has shone. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat, with their father Zebedee mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness among the people. What's the difference between a disease and an illness? He cured illnesses and diseases. I'm not, first, you want me to be a mechanic. Now you want me to be a doctor. I want, you to be a, expect, I want you to be a physicist. <laughs> and on the weekends, you expect me to know how to play music. You're really asking a lot. Maybe one of the three. <laughs> one would be good. Okay, uh, I'm not going to look for an answer on that one, but let me talk a little bit about the, the part that I read. This whole thing about Zebulun and Naphtali is quoted from the first reading for this Sunday, which is the prophet Isaiah, right? Correct. Chapter 8. Do you know know what the land of Zebulun is or the land of Naphtali? Do you know who they are? In the first Star Wars movie. You know, somebody else this morning (laughs) said they thought it sounded like Star Trek. Oh, really? It's got that sound. I've been watching The Mandalorian, so Star Wars is on my brain. Okay. Zebulun and Naphtali were two of the 12 sons of Jacob. Really? Well, you know Joseph. And you know Benjamin. Amazing technicolor and, dream and, coat. And Asher. And Dancer and, and Prancer. No. <laughs> oh, folks. Do you, have to, do you hear what I have to put I up with? I can't help it. Yeah. It just comes out. I know. You've got kids. So, uh, little kids. That's true. Now, okay. So, there were the, the 12 sons. And when they finally settled in Canaan... Many years later, because this was 
you know, they ended up in Egypt for a couple of centuries and from Egypt led back to the Holy Land, to Canaan, the mm-hmm. whole story of, of Moses. And then they entered the Promised Land. Mm-hmm. Canaan was taken over and they assigned different sections for each of the 12 sons. You didn't okay. know that. Like geographical areas. Yeah, yeah. Were named after us. So Zebulun and Naphtali, those are the names of two of the sons, but the land was called the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. I really didn't know that. Well. Thanks for teaching me today. Yeah. Google that one. <laughs> I probably could. So it's the land up by the Sea of Galilee. It goes right up to the Sea of Galilee. Okay. And um, now there's a... Here's the interesting thing. It was still called the land of Zebulun, still called the land of Naphtali. But between 1100 BC mm-hmm. or 1000 BC, when it was settled by the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and the time of Jesus, what happened in between that was just major that messed up all of their plans? It was what's called the Babylonian captivity. It's on the tip of my tongue. Yes. The Assyrians had attacked the northern kingdom. The Babylonians overwhelmed the Assyrians and attacked the southern kingdom, Mm -hmm. and then eventually the Persians. Well, with those three groups, a lot of the land got really messed up. A lot of leaders got taken away, and other people came in. Consequently, it's still called the land of uh, Zebulun, land of Naphtali, but it was no longer the same restriction. And that's where a lot of the so-called... 12 lost tribes. You have people talk about the 12 lost tribes of Israel because they're sort of lost in the sense that they, if you could consider it a province or a region, I wouldn't even call it a state, but they, they just no longer had those lines of demarcation. Okay. But it was still considered that area. And one of the things it was distinctive for was that there were a lot of Gentiles there. So even though this was their land, Mm -hmm. it was Palestine of old, the time of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was also known as the Galilee of the Gentiles. And a Gentile is simply a non-Jewish person. Right. And Nazareth was considered very much a Gentile city. Mm-hmm. So the, what we call Galilee nowadays, or at the time of Jesus, the north northern area where Jesus was, mm-hmm. was really kind of looked down upon for a lot of reasons. Uh, you might remember in the Passion account, Herod, well, Pilate found out Jesus was from Galilee and referred him to Herod because Galilee was under the control of Herod, mm-hmm. who had Jewish blood in him. But the southern part, Judea, or Judah, it goes by both names, uh, was under the control of Pilate, who was more uh, the procurator directly from Rome. So the people in Jerusalem looked at the people from Galilee, first of all, because they're there were so many more Gentiles, yeah. but also because they were the hill country and they spoke with an accent, they basically thought of them as the hillbillies. Those poor people. Yeah, they really did. But that's where Jesus was. That's what's so cool. Yeah. Jesus, you know, he might have been born in Bethlehem among the poor, but he lived among the ones that were sort of disdained. Mm. And that's where he always loved to be. Yeah. And then in the first reading this weekend with the prophet Isaiah, and what chapter is it? From chapter, the first chapter eight. Chapter eight. And it's a it's a it's from prophet Isaiah, who was the prophet in the southern part. But he was talking about the northern part, because by that time, the northern part had already been t- attacked by the Assyrians and had fallen. Uh-huh. And that famous line that we use, in fact, it's half of the first reading is the same reading we read on Christmas at, at Christmas midnight mass. Your favorite part. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light upon those who dwelt in the land of gloom. A light has shone. And that's quoted in the gospel that I just read. Only slightly different words, but it's yeah, cool. just slightly. It says I, I love those, this. 
The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. So in both cases, the gospel and in Isaiah, we've got uh, death, we've got darkness. John the Baptist had just been arrested by Herod. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of reason to fear a lot of reason to feel bad. And you better believe that Jesus, being fully human as full as well as fully divine, must have had a heartbreak knowing that G John had been arrested. Sure. It must have been uh, demoralizing. So the land of darkness, the, the land by the sea. So he, he went over to, he made his own home in Capernaum. That's where Peter lived. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the story of Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Uh, Capernaum as a city doesn't exist anymore. There's, um, there's ruins you can go visit. You can actually even see the house where the mother-in-law was. Really? Yeah, she's still in the kitchen preparing some food. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> she might be a little dusty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, it says, okay, Jesus went over there. It's almost like he had to recollect himself and say, okay, I know that the message is not going to be well-received, we don't know who's upset, but we know that when we start talking about the kingdom or repenting, people are not going to be happy. People don't want to hear what they don't want to hear. I find it interesting that the way that Matthew did this, that, you know, in these two parts that we read, that it's it's really setting the scene now as we're beginning Jesus's public ministry, that it's setting, you know, what has happened. And then Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then it's like we we don't literally turn the page, but then we go to this next scene where now he's starting to bring together the team. He puts together the team, and that is correct. Yeah. Do you remember when we built our church building? Yeah. Actually, even when we built the church as a parish. But uh, when we were building the building, one of our first meetings uh, with the architects, they said, now the most important thing you have to do is to put together a good team. Yeah, and you said, I don't have anybody, but I brought Michael. <laughs> I brought Michael along. Yeah. Well, I think they were talking about the team of the the, the contractor, the sure. team of the, the civil engineers, the, the team of the architects, right. uh, and the parish representative. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. But yes, the team is, is so important. But before that, Jesus takes the line that John the Baptist had. John was the one who said, repent. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus picks it up and says, repent. And the kingdom of God is at hand. And that is, that is the, um, probably the thesis statement of all of his public ministry. Sure. The kingdom of God is at hand. That, so, I mean, that's yeah. come up so in so many of our discussions, even the last year as we were looking at Luke you know, the discussion of kingdom so many times. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, Is something poking you? <laughs> no, I, 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 ju I just had a, a business card somebody gave me, it, he just, and, and it fell out of my pocket. Uh, and I was trying to pick it up. <laughs> As we're talking, he's just pulling things out of his shoe. You have a cat in there? I'm not. <laughs> that's great. So, you know, talking about then assembling the team, I think that's a great segue to the second reading in Corinthians that – when we are together, when we're working as a team, when we're working towards a common mission and a common goal, we're called for unity. Okay, let's talk about that. I think, well, Paul established the Christian church in Corinth, which is Greece. 
he established it and I think it was one of his favorites. He loved it and it was a little bit different model. It was based on your personal charism and not just on a structural like this person's in charge and that person's in charge. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like respecting everybody's individual gifts. Mm -hmm. And let's, before we go on, remember last week we just started this letter to Corinthians. I, yeah, I it, said was, last it was week just was, like a long introduction. It was, yeah, we are, I don't know if you realized last week that the second reading was basically Paul saying, hey guys. But it was one long it, sentence. <laughs> it, it went it was, on and on and it on. It did. It just kept going and I thought he didn't say anything. But he also used the name Sosthenes. He did, which yeah. was good. But yeah. it, he basically just said, What's up, guys? Okay, right, now now, now he says, folks, you guys are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you are so divided. I cre I started a church. A church cannot be divided. Some of you are saying, well, I belong to Paul. I belong to Cephas. This is like <laughs> when you, we started the parish and you would send out staff emails. You guys are terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but everybody was divided, and, and that became the hallmark of first Corinthians. He says, you are different, but you have to be united. The, the famous chapter, you know, the body has many parts, but it's one body, yeah. which is from first Corinthians. Mm -hmm. He's basically saying, you don't all have to be an eye. You don't all have to be a hand. You don't all have to be a mouth. We need all parts, but yeah. we have to work together as one body. Yeah. And then, and then he wrote the famous passage. How many times we use it at weddings? Chapter 13. Chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not put on airs. You know, love is never rude. Is not love jealous, is not jealous. Love pompous. is not jealous. Not pompous. Remember that one. Not a uh, puppus. Uh, love is quick to forgive. People read it at weddings, but he didn't write it about a husband and wife or an engaged couple. Yeah. He wrote it about the community. Yeah. He was saying, you guys are, you guys are terrible. You're I divided. You're, you're all upset. You're some of... And they talk about the um, the Sabbath meal. Well, by that time, it was the first day of the week. Mm -hmm. And it almost sounds like it was kind of a potluck. They would have Eucharist, but it's almost like a potluck. And he'd say, some of you don't even let the others eat. You get there early and you drink everything before they even come. And you know, <laughs> It's like my children. We yeah. make this whole dinner, and then we put the food on the table. And by the time Claire and I sit down, their plates are half gone already. We haven't even prayed heathens my kids would not be like that <laughs> you know just this morning i met with a parishioner to pre-plan his funeral so obviously it can't be post-planned no it wasn't after the <laughs> fact uh, but we were picking music and we talked about readings and he asked if it was okay if he would actually pick that reading from corinthians even though it's not a wedding and i said well weddings don't don't get the only use of it because he wanted kind of his the readings at his funeral to speak of you know his love for community and uh, the way that we ought to treat each other. Yeah. But, you know, this reading, this second reading, as I was reading it earlier, it speaks to me because I will, I'll say it bluntly, I am tired of division in this world. It is so exhausting, whether it's political in our government, whether it's international between countries. On, I find probably the most painful division that I experience is what I see within the church, you know, the polarization of, of differences within either different Christian denominations or even in Catholicism itself. Oh, perhaps especially right at the moment. I just find it exhausting. Do you? I don't know if I find it exhausting. And um, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's healthy. Yeah. I think we're allowed to disagree. It depends on how you do it. Sure. And I think sometimes 
it's almost like everything's approached like it's a, a win lose argument. Sure. I've got to not only win, but I also have to, you know, make you fall down into the mud puddle in the process. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. we're, we're running a race and I not just outrun you, but I elbow you so that you go off the trail and there's a big puddle of water and mud and you have to fall into it. We're, and I think I, we're I, leaving a middle school uh, moment for you right yeah, now. I, no, I was always the winner. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm thinking is so many times people have to make others feel bad. Yeah. You can disagree without being so disagreeable. Yeah. Well, you know, Bishop Robert Barrett talks about we've lost the art of argument. Oh, yeah. People can't have an argue, a civil argument anymore because it becomes very personal. And put well, I think they have a trouble. I would even say we've lost the art of discussion. But, you know, I think in some ways what's comforting in all of this is that we're looking, <laughs> we're looking back, you know, to the beginning of the church with Paul and it's very similar problems that they were encountering back then. It's the human condition, unfortunately. Now, here's the good news. What's the good news? Second letter to the Corinthians. Yeah, the sequel. The sequel. When he wrote them later on, he commends them because as much as he told them how bad they were in the first letter, they listened. They paid attention. So in the second letter, he wrote to commend them and say, hey, guys, you're not so bad after all. What good students. Yeah. You know, if you could just find a couple of those. Okay, so this week we start with, remember there's usually two themes. The, the, the theme of the first reading, in this case Isaiah, yeah. and the gospel. Those are usually connected thematically during ordinary time. And the psalm is tying it in beautifully this weekend too. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Yeah, which is one of my favorites, and you know that. So... We have to be people of hope. We have to believe there's light. But here's the way I look at it. You can't appreciate light until there's darkness. Well, my friends, we're going to end there. We hope you have a great week. We're going to see you this weekend at church. And uh, until next time. God bless. <laughs>